If you are thriving on the carnivore diet, fantastic. I'm very happy for you. But get your bloods done, get your calcium scores done, make sure that you are actually thriving. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Meek Medic Podcast. Now, recently I released an episode where I spoke about why I quit the carnivore diet. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you check it out. Link in the episode description. I said I'd follow up with a doctor review of the carnivore diet, and well, here it is. For those who are new to the channel, hi, thanks for stopping by. My name is Dr. Suresh Kawadka. I am a specialist GP and board certified lifestyle physician here in Australia, and I was a practicing carnivore. I'm not now. Why? Well, you can check out the other video I made, uh, my personal story if you want to, but in this episode, I am gonna be talking about what I have learned from my patients who are following the carnivore diet over the last 12 to 18 months. This is my professional review. A little bit of background though first, if I may. I've been seeing patients now for about 12 to 18 months on the carnivore diet, and there's been a lot. In fact, I mean, every day I'm usually seeing at least one, one person a day who are on the carnivore diet, sometimes three or four. So whilst this isn't like a proper study, this is not a randomized control trial, case control, double blind, whatever you want to call it, I have got a fair bit of experience now over the last 12 to 18 months with it myself and of course with patients. And yes, unfortunately, I have seen some issues. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and unfortunately ugly, and it can get real ugly. Follow the timestamps if you want to switch to the various sections if you want, but I would encourage you to listen to the whole thing to get a balanced view and please do keep an open mind. Again, this is a my professional view of the last 12 to 18 months or so of seeing carnival patients. This is not my personal opinion, this is my professional opinion. I think if you're thriving on the carnival diet, look great, fantastic. Get your bloods done, make sure you're all fine. If you're genuinely thriving, then amazing. But if you're not, maybe this video is for you. Let's start with the good. So there's no doubt the carnivore diet has been amazing for myself and many of my patients. And that's why I got into it in the first place. I've spoken before about my very first carnivore patient who saw amazing improvements in his insulin resistance, weird nerve problems went away, fatigue and tiredness went away, and yes, that's all true. This has been repeated numerous times over my patients. Amazing improvements when changing to the carnivore diet initially. Fairly understandable given it's a zero carb diet. Removal of seed oils like canola oil and vegetable oil, which are terribly unhealthy and nobody should ever consume them. Please don't eat canola oil or vegetable oil. Uh, removal of fast food and just generally caring more about their health. And that is always going to be a good thing. So what kind of issues have I seen improve? Well, let's talk about skin first. Skin might not seem a very exciting thing to talk about, but for some people, their skin is just an absolute disaster and ruins their lives. If you want an example of this, check out at Bradley Marshall Official to see his amazing skin transformation on the carnivore diet. He has given me permission to share his pics in this video. I've seen eczema, psoriasis, acne, rosacea, all improve very, very, very nicely on the carnivore diet. Arthritis. Now, arthritis can be very disabling. I'm sure anybody 
with arthritis listening to this will tell you, you ask anybody with arthritis, they'll tell you it's very disabling. And I have seen wonderful improvements in rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, osteoarthritis, and just generally anything that we call seronegative, quote unquote, or basically what we call idiopathic arthritis, which basically means we don't really know what causes it. But you go to the rheumatologist, patients usually will end up on chemotherapy drugs like methotrexate anyway. The carnivore diet has helped a great many patients get off those terrible medications and given them vast improvements in their chronic pain. Speaking of chronic pain, I'm not sure there's many pain syndromes out there that are worse than fibromyalgia. I'm sure there's going to be people arguing about that. But I see this regularly. I don't have fibromyalgia, thankfully, but I have plenty of patients that do. And I've got to say, it must be horrible just living in constant pain. The carnivore diet has helped many of those improve their pain, not resolve completely, but at least improve, which for them is huge. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, I'm getting quite a few patients with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome now, and this connective tissue disorder is no joke. It ruins lives, and I've picked up many patients with EDS. It is horrible, but the carnivore diet does seem to help them at least a little bit. IBS and IBD, so irritable bowel syndrome and inflammatory bowel disease, I have seen untold numbers of gut problems, not just these two, resolve on the carnivore diet. IBS, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. There is no denying that as an elimination diet, the carnivore diet is absolutely unbeatable. Imagine going to the toilet you know, 12 to 15 times a day, pooing blood almost constantly, having constant pain in your abdomen and your guts, and then suddenly everything resolves within a month or so. I mean, how incredible is that? Diabetes. Now, I firmly believe that low-carb and keto diets are unbeatable. I still do believe that when it comes to type 2 diabetes. Type 1, of course, a little bit different, but then even then, ketogenic and low-carb diets can be very, very powerful. And this is reflected in local guidelines here in Australia that thankfully now include low-carb and ketogenic diets as a legitimate treatment for type 2 diabetes. And of course, carnivore is a ketogenic diet. Carnivore is not an exception to this, at least initially. I will come back to that later, but I've had numerous patients with type 2 diabetes dramatically improve their HbA1c levels over very short timeframes, two to three months sometimes. And most of those were not newly diagnosed diabetes because they tend they can rebound pretty quickly these were long-standing some of them even on insulin and they've now managed to either significantly reduce that or stop that completely which is in line with that uh, 2022 i think it was harvard study uh, just over 2,000 patients on the carnivore diet weight loss uh, this one's a double-edged sword that we've got to talk about but generally i've seen patients having pretty profound weight loss following the carnivore diet for a while some of the initial weight loss will be water weight, of course, there's no doubt, but only a couple of kilos. Some have come back in and they've lost maybe 10 kilos in two weeks. Some have lost 20 to 30 kilos over a few months, but some unfortunately haven't shifted at all, either on the scales or the tape measure. And I'm regularly seeing this on the forums, people complaining that they're not losing weight. Other people, they maybe lose a lot of weight and then it just seems to stall. Asthma. Now, I've got a few asthmatic patients. I don't have that many, actually, interestingly. But the ones that do have asthma on the carnivore diet have pretty much universally told me they've managed to reduce and usually stop their preventative inhalers, usually inhaled corticosteroids. 
when they're following a carnivore diet, which is absolutely incredible. Long-term steroid use is associated with lots of health problems, including things like osteoporosis and, of course, type 2 diabetes. So any reduction in an inhaled corticosteroid, whilst, of course, maintaining adequate control of their asthma, is absolutely incredible. Mental health? This is a big one. There's no doubt. I have seen people having dramatic improvements in their mental health on the carnivore diet, with conditions ranging from things like ADHD all the way over to schizophrenia. Most of what I see is anxiety and depression, and there's been tremendous benefits, there's no doubt, with patients with anxiety and depression, and many patients reporting this kind of stress shield almost that I've spoken about before that I found. They found that depression and anxiety has kind of just disappeared, it's just gone, usually very quickly, and many have reduced or stopped their antidepressant medications. I've also had patients with two patients with bipolar and schizophrenia manage to reduce some of their medications, which has been huge for them. But did it all last? Well, that brings me to the bad. The honest answer is sometimes. <laughs> now, I know that's, that's really annoying and not very helpful, so let me explain. I was very zealous early on when I found the carnivore diet. That's really the reason I made this podcast, because I wanted to share what I had learned, this amazing thing. But I fell into this trap of, oh, you don't, don't worry, you don't really need blood tests. Don't really worry about tracking and things. All you really need to do is do the carnivore diet and everything will get better, which honestly, I'm a little bit unhappy about now because I do feel like I've maybe failed some of my patients, which is a lot for me to admit. But thankfully, most of my early patients actually did come back because they did want some tracking or they've listened to the podcast and they realized they might be having some issues or they were generally having some issues. And so they came back. So I kind of had the chance to make up for it a little bit there. Despite my initial zealotry, I did notice fairly early on that whilst people were doing amazingly on the carnivore diet, many of them weren't actually doing the carnivore diet anymore. They actually were calling themselves carnivore, but when I actually asked them, what are you actually eating? They'd added in some sugar, they'd added in some fruit maybe, they'd added in some vegetables, maybe salads even. They were basically keto, they weren't carnivore, not strict carnivore. Most of them stayed amazing though. Most of those issues they had had stayed away. Well, what gives? I mean, if carnivore was the cure, how could they stay healthy if they went off carnivore? Well, actually some didn't. They actually got worse when they added some things back in. And what the issue there was it wasn't sugar. It was actually oxalates. And I spoke about this in my 12-month video. I spoke about this a little bit in my video interview with Sally Norton as well. Make sure you guys check those out. Oxalates were the issue. And adding back in the oxalates was problematic for them. But keeping them out, things were fine. Sugar didn't actually cause much of an issue when they added back in. So it wasn't the reduction in sugar that was also giving these amazing autoimmune benefits like arthritis, thyroid, skin, all of that kind of stuff. So was it carnivore that was actually doing all of that amazing work? Or was it the oxalates? Was it the zero oxalate? Was it the zero plant toxin side of carnivore? Now you can argue, well, that's carnivore. Yes, but also you can do carnivore without, or you can do, sorry, zero oxalate without doing carnivore. So what was doing all the heavy lifting here? Was it carnivore or was it the zero oxalate diet? I suspect it's the zero oxalate diet, actually. 
My experience over the last 12 to 18 months would suggest it was actually removing the oxalates that was really giving all of these amazing benefits of things like the skin issues, the arthritis, the joint problems, the autoimmune issues, the gut issues, all of that was actually really the oxalates, not the carnivore diet itself. But I only learned that with time and with experience. Almost everybody came back at maybe one to two months saying they felt great, but they just didn't want to do carnivore anymore. They wanted to eat something else, anything else. I've spoke about this a little bit before, but I want to give you an analogy because you might think, well, steak's amazing. How can you not want to eat steak 24-7? But imagine a chocolate cake that is the most amazing cake in the world and you can eat it completely guilt-free. Wouldn't that be nice? It won't make you fat, won't give you diabetes and will actually improve your health. This magical chocolate cake. I mean, amazing. That sounds amazing. Give that to me right now. I'm sure there's people out there thinking, my God, I want this cake. <laughs> Where does it exist? It doesn't. It's magical. But what if you had to eat this cake every single meal, every single day for the rest of your life with never eating anything else? Suddenly that magical cake doesn't quite sound so appealing. And this is what people were saying to me. Some people were so desperate to eat something else that wasn't meat, that when I basically told them, look, it's okay to eat something else, they cried, literally cried. Tears of joy. I've honestly lost count of the number of people I've spoken to who have either been patients or they've messaged me, email, whatever, who following the carnivore diet, who were just desperate to eat something else. They feel like they've just been scared into just sticking on this rigid diet and they are upset. They are unhappy. They don't like what they're eating. And then I contacted them back and just said, look, it's okay. Just eat something else. It's fine. And then they usually email me back saying that they're just, they're, again, tears of joy. They're just, they're so happy that they could eat something else. That doesn't really sound very good to me. That doesn't sit great with me. That if you're so unhappy with the food that you're eating that you are literally in tears, that is a big problem. That is an eating disorder. So did everyone with all those conditions I listed earlier improve? Well, no, actually, they didn't. The vast majority did. Don't get me wrong, but not everybody. For example, some people's mental health didn't improve which isn't a failing of the carnivore diet as such, it just didn't work. Now, I don't think many doctors out there are specifically saying that carnivore will magically fix everything, no. But I think that's the implication that some people are making. And it's certainly perpetuated by the kind of general population of the carnivore diet, basically, on all these forums, Facebook groups, and so on. Some people, their gut issues just never resolved. And in fact, some actually got worse. Uh, chronic diarrhea, sometimes years. Some seems to be a, a particular problem that some people face. I mean, I regularly see people posting on forums again saying they've had diarrhea for two years and everybody just saying, you know, quote unquote, trust the system, it will work. I mean, sorry, you've had diarrhea for two years. That's, that's a problem. Chronic constipation and no amount of changing fat ratios, increase, decrease, electrolytes, anything just seems to fix it. Nothing seems to fix it for them. And as I said, I regularly see people on Facebook groups and so on, Reddit, etc., saying, I'll oh, just trust the system or quote unquote, you aren't doing it hard enough or you need to be more carnivore for people that are having these issues. And I hate to say it, but 
Honestly, it's just like vegan support groups. You know, whenever someone isn't getting on with it, it's their fault, not the diet, which probably isn't true. Electrolyte imbalances, cramps, and just feeling exhausted and tired also seem to be a particular issue on the carnivore diet that, again, none of these influencers are talking about, and I don't really know why. Daily, I see probably, again, like 10 to 20 posts across my various social media platforms about people struggling on the carnivore diet with big issues like, yeah, fatigue, tiredness, deranged liver functions, severe muscle cramps, severe diarrhea, as I've said, terrible headaches, weight gain, uh, not even just not weight loss, but weight gain, and just feeling terrible. And honestly, the answer is always the same, or just trust the system, or, you know, take some supplements, or, or take electrolytes. Now, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you have to supplement with anything, your diet is incomplete, and it's not a natural human diet. Not everyone, I didn't, but some carnivores are spending hundreds of dollars a month on supplements, like electrolyte supplements, just to live a normal life, which is frankly ridiculous. At some point, you have to wake up and say, hey, you know what? I don't think this is working for me. Nutritional deficiencies are unfortunately very common on carnivore diet. As much as people like Professor Bart Kay, who I respect, say, you know, we don't need as much vitamin C on the carnivore diet, that may be true, but that's not the same as saying we don't need any. And I've seen numerous carnivores with visible, observable signs of nutritional deficiencies, including things like vitamin C. I'm yet to meet a single carnivore patient, myself included, that does not have a folate deficiency. It's in the reference range usually, but we all know reference ranges are basically garbage. It's still low, and we know it's low, and we know it's affecting them because their homocysteine is almost always high. You supplement folate, folate goes up, homocysteine comes down, you know the folate was a problem. Homocysteine, basically, long and short of it, tells you if your body's happy or not. If your homocysteine's fine, your body's probably reasonably happy. Zinc deficiency, weirdly, also seems to be a problem. I say weirdly because it shouldn't be. <laughs> Zinc mainly comes from meat and seafood, of course, as well. And no plant toxins, sorry, to bind them up like oxalates and phytates. We're not eating those on a carnivore diet, but it still almost always seems to be low. Maybe it's got something to do with, with the almost complete lack of boron in the diet. I don't know. Boron, again, is a problem that I've talked, spoken about before when I did my 30-day ribeye challenge. If all that wasn't bad enough, let's talk about the ugly. Now, I'm sorry to say it, but I've seen some pretty bad issues on the carnivore diet, so much that I have stopped recommending it now as a long-term diet and only as a short-term elimination diet, which it is amazing for, but just not long-term. Let's start with diabetes. Now, I'm talking about type 2 diabetes here. I mentioned earlier I've seen some amazing successes with reducing HbA1c, uh, improving insulin levels and deprescribing diabetes medications, as I said, you know, mirrors that carnivore study from Harvard, including, of course, insulin injections, which is amazing. Getting off insulin is so fantastic, but it doesn't seem to last. Inevitably, somewhere between three to nine months, their bloods start getting worse. Insulin, fasting insulin starts to creep up. HbA1c creeps up. Fasting glucose creeps up. 
Now I know the carnivores are going to say yes, but HbA1c goes up on the carnivore diet because red blood cells live longer, therefore there's more glucose for them to glycate because they're living longer, so HbA1c will go up. That may be true, but I am yet to see any credible evidence to actually support that statement. There's a number of studies in rats which demonstrate this might be a thing. Uh, there's a couple of studies in humans, which again, I'll, I'll put links in the episode description, showing that it may increase red blood cell lifespan, but at most it's a few days. Hard the explanation really as to why HbA1c goes up so much on a carnivore diet. Even if it were true that red blood cells lifespan increases, and look, that's probably a good thing if it does, it wouldn't explain why fasting insulin and fasting glucose also go up as well. The likelihood is that this is a physiological insulin response, or physiological insulin resistance, I should say, otherwise known as adaptive glucose sparing is the actual technical term. And that's not necessarily harmful. We see this in pregnancy and teenagers, for example. But physiological insulin resistance is still insulin resistance. Whether or not it's physiological or pathological, it's still the same process. Ben Dickman actually spoke very briefly about the distinction between the two things there and basically said it's the same, essentially the same thing in his interview with my friend uh, Casey Ryan Ruff on Boundless Body Radio. Make sure you guys check out his podcast. It is incredible. However, there must be more to the story here because simply having physiological insulin resistance is not enough to cause these problems because I've seen people becoming pre-diabetic and even one patient actually getting diabetic into the diabetic range for HbA1c on a carnivore diet. That is not physiological insulin resistance. That is not red blood cells getting longer lived. That is a problem. This week alone, I've told three people, and it's only Wednesday when I'm filming this, that they now probably have prediabetes from the carnivore diet. Now again, you can argue that the HbA1c is unreliable. Yes, true. But other markers like fasting insulin are going up, fasting glucose are going up, urate is going up, ferritin is going up, liver functions are going off, all markers of metabolic dysfunction. Speaking of, liver issues also seems to be a particular problem. I've seen again around maybe the six to nine month mark in deranged, having deranged liver function tests. ALT and AST can go up with weight loss. That is true. But I've seen plenty of people having things like gamma GT rises as well, which is usually a sign of increasing oxidative stress. Again, initially, liver function improves. Six to nine months seems to get worse. I spoke earlier about the mental health benefits of the carnivore diet, but as quickly as things seem to improve, things can seem to worsen. That kind of quote-unquote stress shield that I mentioned earlier seems to disappear from people who stay on a strict carnivore zero carb diet and they find themselves struggling mentally depression seems to creep back in for some people and in fact some have told me they've had to go back onto their antidepressant medications which is very upsetting for them and for me as their doctor because i like to de-prescribe blood pressure almost universally drops on the carnivore diet incredible changes in blood pressure but again in the longer term i've seen it start to rise again even going over where it was to begin with now, what the mechanism is here, I'm not 100% sure, but almost certainly it's going to be insulin resistance and chronic stress. Speaking of stress, almost universally, when I've tested them, I said initially I wasn't testing people, but now I do routinely, 
I've seen signs of chronic stress in their blood tests. Gamma GT going up, cortisol going up, DHEAS going down, that's dehydroepiandrosterone sulfate. I'm getting very good at saying that now. Uh, sex hormones going down, all worsening over time on the carnivore diet. As well as mental stress visibly creeping in and people actually reporting they feel more stressed, physical stress in the blood test becoming more and more evident as time goes on on the carnivore diet. Now, maybe that is a nutritional problem. Maybe it's a chronic stress state from chronic ketosis, insulin resistance. I'm not sure what it is, but it's definitely there. Sex hormones are another big problem. Usually, just like with everything else, there's a big uptick in the sex hormones, testosterone particularly in men, with a reduction in sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, so free testosterone, free estrogen, etc. goes up a lot. But, you guessed it, in time, it drops. Significantly. Sex hormone binding globulin goes up quite a lot, again, likely a sign of either chronic stress or nutritional deficiencies, and so as SHBG goes up, free hormones go down. Female hormones are harder to interpret, but you know similar issues can be seen with women. Initially, reproductive cycles, menstruation, etc. improving and then basically getting worse over time and then almost feeling like they're becoming menopausal, which again is a big problem. I even had one patient who, on my advice, switched from an animal-based diet onto the carnivore diet and within one month had total testicular failure. This may just be pure coincidence, terrible bad luck. As I said, this is not a randomized control trial. We have no idea why this happened. These are just my observations, but it happened. He's back now on an animal-based diet, so he's eating carbs, and it's fine. He did require two months of injections to get this levels back up. He literally had undetectable levels. He said in retrospect, he actually felt pretty terrible almost straight away on the carnivore diet, but persisted because he thought it was going to be better because that's what I told him. He's now doing fine. He's off the injections and he maintains on an animal-based diet and he's absolutely fine. His testosterone is completely back to normal. Now that, again, may just be pure coincidence. This is not a randomized control trial, but it was a thing that happened when we switched to a carnivore diet. Now, I want to talk a little bit about cardiovascular diseases and cholesterol. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, cholesterol, God, this guy's going to want to put everyone on statins. No, I do not want to put everybody on statins. I've spoken about cholesterol on this channel before. I am generally against statins, though I do prescribe them for very, very, very high-risk patients. But I don't want to derail this conversation about statins. Likely pure coincidence, but I don't want other people to fall into the same trap that this patient did. I actually did have one patient who had a heart attack on the carnivore diet in the last few months. Now, let me make it clear. This patient was always going to have a heart attack. Carnivore diet did not give them a heart attack. I want to make that very clear. They had terribly controlled diabetes for decades. And now the carnivore diet has actually got them to an HbA1c of down to, I think it's six, which is absolutely incredible. Now they're doing fine. They've been treated for the heart attack and so on, and they're taking it a little bit more seriously. Again, the carnivore diet didn't give them the heart attack. No, the diabetes gave them the heart attack. That was always going to happen. But don't assume that carnivore diet is just this magical fix that's going to just fix everything like that. I want to talk a little bit about cholesterol. Again, I don't really want to talk about statins. That's not what this episode's about. I've covered cholesterol on this channel before, and you can look at my reviews of the Sydney Diet Heart Trial, Minnesota Coronary Trial. 
if people have further questions about cholesterol, it'd be sensible to maybe look at the work of someone like Dr. Paul Mason, who's on YouTube. I'll put a link in the episode description. But unfortunately, I have seen some problems on the carnivore diet with some people's cholesterol. Now, for some, for some rather, sorry, I've seen total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol go down. Interesting. Some, I've seen it go up. Now, most people, it goes up a little bit. No big deal. Triglycerides improve. HDL is improving. Generally, they're doing okay in the short term. But again, in the longer term, I've seen some people having pretty astronomical, is the only way to describe it, cholesterol levels and total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol. Astronomical levels is the only way to describe it, as I've said, way above, way above what any doctor, carnivore or otherwise, would think is safe. Maybe it doesn't cause immediate heart attacks, no, but extremely high cholesterol, we are talking crazy high levels, are not safe. And it can be damaging to microvascular systems like the kidneys, for example. If you don't think cholesterol by itself is a problem, then look, fine. But all the long-term carnivores I've seen, their LDL subfractions have got worse. Their oxidized LDL is worsening over time. Initially improves and then worsens. This is a big risk factor for heart disease and ischemic stroke. Again, look at the work of Dr. Paul Mason on oxidized LDL. This is a big problem that unfortunately a lot of people just seem to be very blasé about. They're either burying their head in the sand or just basically not caring. And again, I refer to some various forums. I won't mention them by name. But again, I've seen people saying, telling people, don't worry about it. Who cares? Cholesterol is not a problem. The more you have, the better it is. Well, no, sorry, that is frankly not true. And even people like Sean Baker, Ken Berry, talk about cholesterol and say, you can't just ignore cholesterol. It's a dependent risk factor, but it's still a risk factor at the end of the day. So... All of that said, do I still recommend the carnivore diet to my patients? Well, I alluded to this earlier, but actually, yes, I do. But only as an elimination diet for maybe 30 to 60 days at most, maybe 90 days at most, perhaps. And then to branch out and move back towards a keto or even maybe a low-carb diet. I'm not recommending animal-based. I've done that myself. I've seen issues on that. But if people do animal-based and they're doing really well, then great, no problem. Moving back to keto or low carb doesn't mean you have to just go and eat junk food. We don't want to put that back in. I'm not telling people to go out and eat Big Macs, McDonald's, fries, you know, and crazy amounts of sugar. I'm talking about maybe eating like 10 to 15 grams of sugar a day. Genuinely nothing. But keeping the plant toxins out or at least very, very low. I've honestly seen too many problems on the carnivore diet now to recommend it as a long-term diet for my patients. Short-term, yes. Long term, no. I've started recommending people add back in some carbs. And yes, that's right. You heard it correctly. Some carbohydrates in the order of about 10 to 15 grams a day, maybe with the occasional carb refeed once, maybe once a week, once every two weeks, perhaps of like 100 grams of carbs. All these problems that people get seem to disappear very quickly when they add those carbs back in. Other issues like the LDL subfractions, they have improved then over time as well. So the carnivore diet has been incredible for me. It's been incredible for my patients, at least early on. It's really helped me learn a lot about myself and nutrition. But it's just not a safe long-term diet from what I have seen. 
If you are thriving on the carnivore diet, fantastic. I'm very happy for you. But get your bloods done, get your calcium scores done, make sure that you are actually thriving. I'll be making a follow-up video on my recommended diet now that I personally use and I'm recommending to my patients, at least as a framework to get them started off carnivore or transition from carnivore. It's called the Primal Fusion Diet and I'll be further explaining my rationale in another episode, but you can grab the free introductory guide at primalfusiondiet.com or follow the link in the episode description. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Meat Medic Podcast. I'll see you in the next episode.